you have to figure out how to make work from home work for you because that's what we've got now. If you're a job candidate and you're interviewing and that's all gone virtual, there's actually a lot of advantages to the interviewee, I think, in that situation. You've kind of got home court advantage. You could be comfortable in your own home and you can get your setup just right. And, and if you're just starting a job and it's virtual and you're not going to have the opportunity to maybe meet your team face-to-face, -face, I think that just makes communication more important than ever. Welcome to Talk West, where every episode will be diving into the latest topics and trends in advertising, marketing, design, and more. I'm your host, Chris Bunn, joined as always by Mike Manganillo. In this episode, we sat down with Katie Dunn, the Director of Career Services at Momentum Learning and the founder of the Back to Business Conference. Katie has built a career on helping people take their lives in new directions. She opened up to us about why she loves connecting people to new careers and helping women re-enter the workforce in a new era. Katie, thank you for joining us. Absolutely, I'm happy to be here. Excellent. So for those that don't really know, would you mind going into your background a little bit? What it is that you do and what got you here? Sure, absolutely. So let's see, my husband and I moved to Cary about 21 years ago when it seemed like a much quieter place than it is now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe too quiet. We weren't quite sure, but it's um, turned out to be just perfect. And I worked at IBM for about five years in a marketing role and then left to be home with our growing family. We have four kids. And during most of that time that I was home with my kids, I was working part-time at UNC Chapel Hill doing admissions work in the MBA program. So reading applications, evaluating them, interviewing candidates, really fun stuff. I really loved it. And it was like, it just fit into my life really perfectly with four kids. And so at, at about 2015, I was ready to kind of go back to work full time and discovered that that was actually really challenging to do if you have been out of the full-time workforce for any period of time. And so in the process of going back, and I eventually went back to a full-time role at Carolina in the career services group with the MBA program. But before that, I came up with this idea to start a conference for women who were returning to work after taking time off from their careers. And the idea was that all, I knew all of these really smart and talented women here in the Triangle and who had also taken time off of their careers and wanted to get back to work, but were having trouble doing it. So when I talked to people at different companies, when I originally sort of came up with this idea and pitched the idea to companies to get some corporate partners on board, they all said, we are trying to hire women and we can't find them. And I was thinking, well, I know where they all are <laughs> and, and they actually want to come and work for you. So I started back to business as a way to help women get back to work by kind of bridging that gap between companies that are looking to hire from this really amazing talent pool and connecting them with these women who are ready and wanting to go back to work. And so I've done four conferences here in the Triangle area. It's just been a great way to achieve the goal of helping women get back to work and educating them on how to conduct a job search 
if you've been out of the workforce for any period of time, the way we look for jobs may be dramatically different than what you did the last time. And so that's been a big part of what we do. And so I spent about three and a half years at Carolina in the Career Center with the MBA program. And after I left there, I joined Momentum Learning in Durham, which is a code school. And I'm the director of career services there. And it's great. I get to work with a whole different group of people than I was interacting with. Like the student is very different in code school. And sure. that's been wonderful. They, we have people who are looking for a career change after working for 20 years. And then we have people who have just finished high school and are learning to code instead of going to college and then everything in between. So it's this really neat group of people. And I just really like, it's kind of a refreshing change after being at a big higher ed institution for a long time. It seems to me like it's kind of the way of the future just to be I see a lot of change coming for higher ed, and I see code school as a really neat alternative to getting an expensive four-year degree for a lot of people. Do you ever sleep? (laughs) (laughs) I sleep really well. (laughs) Yeah, I love to be busy and um, and love to sleep it off and do it again the next day. And I have a couple of questions on your, your prior experience before we dive in. One, at IBM, can you take credit for coming up with Watson? Were you there during that time frame? Oh, of course. Yes, that was all my idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I always thought when they came up with that, it was, it was very smart. They still use it. Was the big thing, it was, it was on Jeopardy or something like that? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I do love Jeopardy, but... Yeah, I can't take credit for Watson, unfortunately. <laughs> and then when you were talking about reviewing applications, I found that, I didn't ever like, yeah, you know, the people do it, but that's an interesting role. Were there any applications that you, that stand out of like being different or crazy while you're going through reviewing hundreds and maybe thousands of applications? Oh, Yes. <laughs> um, I actually, I kept a little, like, just a page in a notebook where I would write down just really funny, crazy things that people said. For example, you just misspell a wrong word, and it changes the meaning of everything you're saying and things like that. So, yes, there were lots of examples of people who just unintentionally use the wrong word and it and it came out really super funny unintentionally in their application. <laughs> I love those. But there were also people who just were super inspiring because they had an amazing story or they'd really overcome something in their life. And so it was a really fun job because I love people's stories and this was just getting to read people's stories all day yeah. long. And so that, I found that really neat. But also, I found that for a part-time job, while my priority was certainly somewhere other than work during that time, it really allowed me to kind of keep a foot in the working world because I was reading about what are people doing at work in all kinds of different fields. And, and so when I went back to work, I found just like that store of information that I had collected really served me well. But there were also people, you know, you read stories and we would go to admissions committee meetings and you'd be inspired to really go to bat for somebody. This person doesn't have the most amazing GPA or the best standardized test score, but 
this is the kind of person we want in this program and they're amazing and let me tell you why. I always loved when you would come across those people, those kind of gems and that really inspired you to go and advocate for them in a big way. Yeah, for a lot of candidates to know that they have an advocate in their corner fighting for them. Because you may you may be coming into a business world that is very different than when you left it. And so if you don't have necessarily the requisite skills, you need that person who's behind you, you know, who's got your back and trying to advocate for why you should be able to get that opportunity in that new field. Absolutely. Yep. I think in school admissions, in job search, just having those people who will go ahead of you and kind of spread the good news about you is is huge can really make a difference that's awesome so when you back in 2015 when you started the back to business conference i'm sure things have evolved dramatically since then i'm curious like how you've kind of uh, adjusted your approach to that conference and some of the workshops that you guys host as well how those have changed over the years yeah that's a good question so we just we just got in a conference in early March before the whole world shut down here. And it, just looking back, it was so interesting because there were a lot of conversations, particularly from our corporate sponsors who were there about things that their companies were doing and some new restrictions they'd put in place. And this was the last event they were letting people come to. And after that, it was, they were just going to have to close the doors because they were worried about their people's health. And, mm. and this was early March. So we didn't even really know what we were talking about. We just knew there was something out there and we needed to be aware of it. And so just looking back, it's like, wow, you know, I'm so grateful that we were able to get that event in but then, you know, looking to the future, like big events, gathering lots of people in one places, conferences, this all has to change. We're not doing that anymore. And just not for the foreseeable future. I mean, I hope that there's a return to those types of things because I think there's really no substitute for the face-to-face -face interaction in, in so many settings and for so many reasons. But so, yeah, we've definitely had to kind of rethink things. And for me, it's really focused on how do you maintain that connection within a community when you can't gather in person? And so, I don't know, I've tried a few different things this year. I tried a virtual book club, which was really fun because I had a local author we read her book and then she came on the virtual book club meeting and led the discussion with us. It was Annie Franceschi and she's terrific and she wrote a great book that I thought would be really inspiring and just a great message for the back to business community. And so that was something. And when I put, when I sort of approached her with the idea and then put it out there to the back to business community, I was kind of like, hey, we're just going to try this right? I've never done this before. And so let's just try it and see how it works. And it was great. So I anticipate doing more things like that, doing virtual meetups. I tried something called, have you met? And just had people like, hey, if you're interested in connecting with somebody via Zoom, put your name on this Google Doc, and I'll match you up randomly with a different person from the back to business community every week. And so we did that for a while and I think that was really fun and just, I would just send out pairs like, okay, 
Chris, you're paired up with Mike this week. You guys get together and figure out, do you want to get on the phone? Do you want to get on Zoom? What do you want to do? And so got some good feedback from that. But just trying to look for ways to continue the connection and keep growing the community. So having to get creative with those things. Yeah, I love that. How did how do most your people find out about about you? Is it mostly word of mouth, referral? You know, how did how do you get the word out about back to business? Yeah, a lot of word of mouth, a lot of referral. I've got a pretty good email list that I communicate with regularly, and growing that. I've done some online marketing, mostly Facebook. That seems to be where this group is a lot. But yeah, I think that's something women are great at is word of mouth and sharing when. When they find something that is working for them or something that's helped them, we talk a lot. And so a lot of that sharing has helped to grow the community too. Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming that even the conversations that are happening now between everybody are, are much different before trying to juggle reality of kids at home and school as well as looking to find a job. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's just a lot to deal with now. <laughs> I, mean, I know. It's crazy. And it seems like it's really impacting people in really different ways. You know, I mean, our children are older. They're, our youngest is in eighth grade and our two oldest are in college. And so I've not had to experience, I don't have to direct their online schooling. They can do that. And I don't have to supervise during the day. I can work and they can do their thing. But I'm really feeling for parents who have little kids and they need an adult presence all day long. And yet you're still trying to work. So my hat's off to those parents. I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's us. We have a first grader that it's getting easier. It's like everything I tell people, the longer you do something, the easier it is to adjust, you know? So he's adjusted pretty, pretty well to virtual. It's not as hand holding anymore. And word on the mouth is they might be going back full time in a couple of weeks. We'll see, we see what happens there, but it's tough. You know, you kind of learn what works, what doesn't work. And you, I mean, it's like business, right? You kind of just figure out your style and you figure out as a family what, what works. So, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's the year of just trying new things, I think. I know. So that'd be interesting to see now that people have quote unquote more time, have you been seeing applications going up throughout this? And then how has your, those courses uh, changed since it's not, not, I'm assuming no more in person. Yeah, yeah, so at Momentum, we were an in-person teaching program. And of course, have had to shift to all online instruction. But I think in technology, that shift is easier than in other fields. And so, so at Momentum, we've been able to make that shift. You know, we're definitely seeing a lot more interest from people who are realizing that maybe their old job is going away in this new environment and they need to reskill and retool. And so learning how to code is a great career that equips you for the future. So there's definitely been a lot of pivot there. And I think on the, with the online learning, we've sort of experimented a little there too. And so for us, the online learning component of teaching people to code has meant you are face-to-face -face on Zoom with a human being. There's an instructor live there teaching you how to do that. And you can screen share and do all kinds of things to help 
people or to code in this environment. But we've also shifted things like the pre-program that we do to prep people for going through our coding school has been all become all self-paced. And so we've just managed to kind of, that used to be a live program too, and just discovered like, this is actually a better way to do it. And people can go through it at their own speed and on their own time. And then as they join us for the code school program, they've already got that nice foundation. So yeah, I think we're definitely adjusting and learning, seeing some change too on the employer side as our students graduate and go to work with a lot of these jobs opening up to remote, there's now kind of a whole new world of possibility for people looking for jobs because, for example, we had Shopify based in Canada come virtually and speak with our students about getting in the pipeline for hiring for jobs there. And that's really cool because in the past, we didn't have students who wanted to move to Ottawa and work, <laughs> but now they could potentially work for this very cool company and not have to leave the triangle. So it's opened up some, some interesting opportunities as well. That's awesome. So it makes me, I'm curious then, you know, you've got people who are shifting their careers, so they're trying something new or they want like a fresh start or something. What's, what's been your experience of advocating for these people who are trying to apply for jobs that they have no experience in, but they've been learning, they've been developing those skills for, you know, through this training period? Yeah. So that's been really interesting because everybody that comes through Momentum basically is a career switcher. They were all doing something different before. Hmm. And so we've got this interesting group of people who have junior level or associate, like entry level coding skills, so software development skills, but many of them are very experienced professionals because they have been doing something else for a while. And so it's a, they so they make very interesting candidates really because we see a lot of these entry level jobs in software development often go through internship programs that companies have that work on a college academic calendar so you might intern for the summer and then come back and work after you graduate in May um, but we're on a completely different schedule because it's a 16 week program at Momentum. And our graduates just have a different profile. So it's really a case of kind of finding in each different person's profile what's unique and special about them, what they bring to the table that somebody who maybe is a young college grad wouldn't necessarily have. And so it's really kind of coaching people to put their best foot forward and be good and be comfortable and confident at talking about what their strengths are and really leading with those and understanding what they have to offer and how it matches up to what that employer is looking for. Yeah, as I'm hearing you talk, this is kind of out of a blue question, but I mean, you seem like you really love connecting people, working with people, and you're very just looking the good. Was there anybody that throughout your career that did that for you? I'd be interested in that. Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Or like it was a mentor. Yeah, I'm thinking about that for myself too. Yeah. Well, and there's so much written on the value of mentorship and all of that. 
I think I, I wouldn't necessarily point to one particular person that I've felt has been a mentor throughout my career, but I think I've been really fortunate all along the way at each different thing that I've done to either meet people or have people go ahead of me or to work on a team of people who have been just very supportive and helpful. And I've done a few different things too, just from starting at IBM and working in higher ed and now back to business and momentum. And so I think I've probably leaned on different people at different times in my career to get that kind of help and mentorship. And it's different too, I think in a big company, like from, a, from an IBM versus sort of striking out on your own or working for a place like Momentum that's a very small company where the team can move very quickly. And our CEO is actually quite a bit younger than me, but is super smart and just, I really admire what she's been able to build. And um, so that's been really fun and interesting. Mentorship has been, I think, a big part of my career because I feel like I learn a bit better when I have someone who seems to be invested in my career growth, my development. And I think everybody needs that to some degree. But you can learn skills and develop them over time, but having someone who can kind of guide you through that path is so helpful, I think, to a lot of people, especially people my age, because we're looking for some kind of guidance as we move up in our careers, because it's not always established. You mentioned this earlier, but COVID's kind of changed how so many people are working and what that future might be for everybody in their careers. And so having a mentor who's also living through it or has seen something like that come up before is, is vital, I think, to a lot of people my age. Yeah, I agree. Especially when people, when we're all dispersed, right? Everybody's working yeah. from home. And so the value of a relationship like that, I think, can really be more important now than ever. And I'm super interested in how this whole COVID thing is just going to, like the long-term implications for, for work, for relationships, for education, for families. I don't know. There's so, there's so much, I think, that has the potential to change and, and, and improve permanently going forward. So trying to kind of see the, see the gifts in COVID, <laughs> see <laughs> yeah. the opportunities yeah. on those days when you're like, get me out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like, uh, it's like an earthquake to our society. Everybody has kind of been shaken. Things are not where we left them, so to speak. But at yeah. the end of the day, you learn how to rebuild to brace for the next earthquake a bit better. So maybe you put your house up on stilts or whatever it is to accommodate that. And I think we still are in that phase where we're coming out of the rubble, trying to figure out what, where we move forward. But there will be ways that we learn how to build a better society after this. Oh yeah, I totally agree. I mean, just even some of the simple changes that we've had to make in our lives, I, I'm always thinking like, why weren't we doing that before? When you go to the doctor and now you might wait in your car until they call you or something. Mm -hmm actually rather sit in my car than be in a waiting room full of sick people. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Why were we doing that before? Even exercising, going to the Y and the classes are all outside. I love that. To, to me, that's a huge improvement on being inside the building. And so I'm happy to see some of those things continue. 
I've enjoyed a lot more outdoor seating at restaurants as well. Like it's going to be harsher in the winter, but for the summer, it was great. I actually really enjoy that we've changed parking spots and the table setups now. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. That's been, that's been super. I, I think in education too, we've pointed out some, this has just exposed some problems that I think we can get better on now that we're aware of them and talking about them and things like not everybody learns the same way and it's one size doesn't fit all. I know with our kids, our youngest son is super thriving with virtual schooling. And, and I know a lot of other people are really struggling with it. And so it just kind of points out to me like this works really well for some people and not well for other people. And we kind of need to figure that out so that we're getting everybody what they need. I think it, it has forced a kind of reset on thinking about yourself on the way you work. If you'd like to do what, you, what you're doing, it's opening up more conversations for people to have that they probably wouldn't have just because they're available or they're, they're talking to other people because I feel like everybody's a lot more open about their experiences, what they're going through versus before it was just a monotony of a nine to five commute in and out of work. So I think, yeah, I'm with you guys. You could harp on the negatives, but there are going to be a lot of positives that, that do come out of this from a self factor, society factor, or even a business factor of the way that we've been doing things right or wrong. I almost like want to hit the fast forward button and see a few years into the future and see some of these long-term implications. One thing I I think is interesting and it's funny because me and Chris did this podcast like week one or two when COVID hit and prior to starting at Walk West, I had a whole post on LinkedIn about how I hated working from home because I was like to be around people and right away I was like, I can't do this. I'll never do this. And I I really didn't even have my own quote unquote home office, which is in my kid's playroom until I want to say like month three or four when there was a reality of, oh, we're here for a while. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's third a, okay, we're here for a while. We're going to hunker down and it's it's been more comfortable, but I feel like the, what we're going to go to is this, this ultimate flex model of work or this hybrid model Mm -hmm. people are calling. Right. So Chris and I were in the office last week for a day and it was great. Just one day to be around people. Maybe it's two days where I be around people. You're smart with your time but also the ability to work from home if you want to. Because I think yeah. most industries and most people have proven they can get the work done. Yes, you might not be as efficient. It might be, not be as great of an output, but it's still good enough. But if we can all adapt to this kind of flex model, hybrid model of working, I think that for me, that's a positive coming out of this. Yeah, totally agree. And it's funny, like we're all seeing into each other's homes now in a way that you you don't (laughs) normally do with your coworkers. And so I hope there's sort of a greater level of just understanding that everybody's situation is so different. There's definitely, I feel like when I'm on calls, an increased tolerance level for the dog barking in the background or the kids (laughs) yelling or the doorbells ringing or something. That's just life. And and now we're all just having to figure it all out together. So I agree. I think flexibility is just kind of the order of the day. And if you weren't good at it before, you have had to become good at going with the flow to a certain extent this year. And if you can't do that, it's things are going to be really, really hard because there's just so much uncertainty out there this year. 
I was actually wondering about that. What tips are you giving people as they're preparing to enter the workforce now or, you know, maybe re-entering people that left before COVID are now trying to get back into it? How are you bracing them for what this work culture is like now? Yeah, well, I think we have to, you have to figure out how to make work from home work for you because that's just what what we've got now and i think if you're if you're a job candidate and you're interviewing and that's all gone virtual there's actually a lot of advantages to the interviewee i think in that situation you've kind of got home court advantage you could be comfortable in your own home and you can get your setup just right and you can have your notes around in a way that you wouldn't be able to do in a face-to-face interview so let's use those advantages that are part of that virtual interview scenario to your advantage. And if you're just starting a job and it's virtual and you're not going to have the opportunity to maybe meet your team face-to-face, I think that just makes communication more important than ever. And companies are communicating with Slack and with email and Zoom and there's a hundred different ways. And so figure out what your company is using, get good at that, figure out what the expectations are so you're not over-communicating or they're not wondering where you are and what you're doing because they never hear from you. And, and those things, you can just ask, just ask the question, what's the, what's the accepted level of communication here? How often do we talk? And are there certain times? Is there a point where it's too much? Figuring that all out, those kind of culture aspects for each company, I think is really critical to succeeding when you're in a virtual environment. Yeah. The cheat sheet thing is such an interesting point because I remember when I interviewed at WalkWest and preparing for that interview when I was going in person, I was like, okay, here are all the points that I want to make sure I talk about. And I was running Mm -hmm. through that, practicing so much, like trying to make sure I, I, I put my best foot forward. And now I'm just thinking like, man, that would have been so much easier if I could have just had like a sticky note on my wall next to, <laughs> next to it while I'm yeah. talking through my interview, you know? Yeah. And now you can. So yeah. yeah, I think that's good. It evens the playing field for people that are introverts or extroverts where you can be a lot more comfortable, right? So there's people that usually are, are not as comfortable around people that might say something they don't mean or might be sweating where it's a little kind of levels that which is interesting. Yeah, we saw that a lot. It's funny you mentioned that, Mike, because when we switched to virtual instruction for Momentum, suddenly our instructors were hearing from people who tended to be the quiet person who wants to sit in the back and and not have anybody notice them or call on them. But suddenly those people were asking a lot of questions and speaking up more. And I think they just felt more comfortable. They didn't feel like, oh, the whole class is looking at me if I ask a dumb question. So switching to virtual instruction seemed to like really kind of empower some of the quieter people in the room. And so that's good if it levels the playing field a little bit like that and, and makes them feel more comfortable and confident in asking questions, then that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I have one last question. So what's next? Is there a third pillar that you're going to work on? <laughs> what's in your head? Are you, are you comfortable here right now? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I think for back to business, actually, the next thing that I'm working on tackling is a digital course because I think in the absence of 
in-person conference events, that's going to be a good way to continue to support that community. And so I sort of boarded out the whole idea for my course and all the different modules. And I shared it with my husband and he was like, that's 10 courses right there. That's not one course. So <laughs> I don't know that there might be 10, <laughs> but a lot of ideas. So we have a lot of uh, e-learning courses as well. Just oh, saying. really? Yeah, we do. That's awesome. I love that. There's a real science and an art, I think, to yeah. do that well that I'm learning along the way. So that's been a, a fun and interesting new project. And beyond that, I think it's just getting good at the things I have on my plate now, given the fact that it feels like everything is changing all the time. So we'll see. We'll see what the yeah. future holds. I don't know. A lot of the jobs data I've been reading shows huge numbers of women leaving the workforce now because it, it is too much with kids at home and just taking on the lion's share of housework and things like that and trying to work full time. And so women are opting out and I hate to see that because we, we want to get more women into the workforce, just into those more executive level positions. And if we're leaving in large numbers, it's going to make that more difficult for the future. So I don't know. We'll see. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. This was fascinating. It was great to great to have you on and talk about this. Thank you, Chris. Really fun to talk to both of you. You too. Well, have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and please rate and review us. Plus, you can follow WalkWest on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on the Talk West podcast.